yeah things have been in the way <laughs> kid uh new life stuff so yeah it's been a bit hectic this podcast is now going to be monthly pretty much um so with that little bit out of the way a welcome to episode 59 of the pod punk podcast where i am joined by one of the absolute best bands around on the punk scene today it is alice and gareth from the absolutely wonderful in evil hour alice and gareth join me for a lovely talk about in evil hour afi cover sets how the band got together touring stories band life their music and so 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 much more um i first caught them at manchester punk festival a few years back i not knowing really much about them, um, and but since then, they've become an absolute staple of music listening to me. So please find them online at In Evil Hour on Instagram or just search In Evil Hour on Facebook to keep up to date with the band's going ons, any tours, you know, merch, new music, that sort of stuff. They're brilliant if you're into your sort of skate punk stuff. Um, they're they're a cut above creme de la creme. They're fantastic. So, uh, as always, before we get to the chat, let's listen to a track from In Evil Hour. It's the Epic 2050 or 2050. I'm not sure, but it's one of them, but it's still a banger. Um, enjoy the song, enjoy the chat with Alice and Gareth, and I'll talk to you after.
doing? You right? Yeah, fine. Yeah, thanks. Good, yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Brilliant. Got a little guest joining us here. Ah, <laughs> oh, cute. What's his name or her name? Tweak. Tweak. He is Tweak. Yeah. Tweak. Yeah, yeah. How long have you had Tweak for? Seven years. No, he's oh. he's nearly nine. I is think. He? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, adorable. He doesn't like for us to go anywhere where he isn't. Oh. Yes, exactly. Oh, Come on. Very homely, a homely cat then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever we're doing, he wants to be in it. Oh. Is he in the band then? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't quite trained him in an instrument yet. No moral support. I don't know. I don't know. His sort of relentless murdering of animals would go down well with vegans. <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that doesn't really fit the ideals of the punk rock community, I don't think. Yeah, but. Yeah. It is it is their way of life, and you have to respect that. Yeah, <laughs> unless the next album is going to be called Pigeon Destroyer. Um... <laughs> I, you know what, right? These sound like great ideas, to be fair. It, I think it'll work for a death metal band, you know. <laughs> Pig Destroyer, Pigeon Destroyer. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I'll do the intro. That's going to be a great way to start it. Uh, Joe McGareth and Alice from uh, In Evil Hour. How are we doing, boys and girls? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Good, thank you. Cool, cool, cool. How have things been going? You back on the road, I guess, since, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing happened and you're getting to yeah, be busy, yeah. busy again? We've been, uh, so we've, most recently, we went over to France quite recently, played a couple yeah, of shows over there. Yeah, really good. Uh, really awesome festival. We did a first time in Paris as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that, that was brilliant. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, yeah. We've got some, the festival season coming up. Yeah. I just punk fest earlier this year as well. I unfortunately missed that because you were doing the AFI cover set, weren't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh... it, was, it was glorious. We loved every second <laughs> of it. It was really enjoyable actually learning all the songs as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of, yeah, it was quite a show. Um, yeah. They're kind of one of those bands that I think inspire fanatical devotion in people, but then they don't tour very much over here, so everyone just went absolutely mental. Well, I mean... <laughs> There's people singing the guitar lines as well, you know, you, like people sing along to the words and stuff, but there was people like, duh, 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 like singing the guitar <laughs> lines and stuff, it was mint. They, they also don't play a lot of those songs that we were playing because we uh, we cut off pretty much oh, at kind of 2000, 2003. Pre-2003, pre so. Yeah. Uh, Nitro Records period, is it? Yeah, but mainly, yeah, I think we did, we did a... Uh, Girls not grey, just because it's we a popular one. We did Miss Murder at the end, but I think that was only because people kept relentlessly asking for. <laughs> Alice's bass line was like, "We are not playing Miss Murder." Have you looked <laughs> at the lyrics to that song? It is horrendous. <laughs> um, and then we just kind of, you know, we jammed we it in practice. Practice because that was the only reason yeah. we did it. Because yeah, we were adamant that we weren't going to do it, and then we jammed it in practice for a laugh, and we got like two thirds of the way through the song without actually learning it. So yeah. we were like, oh well, we might we might as well stick it in. Yeah, and we did at the end. Um, yeah, I I unfortunately missed all the cover sets because I I recently got a, a little girl now, so I can't do. Past, oh, I know. I can't yeah. do past eleven. Yeah, yeah. No, well, our bassist has got twins. He, um, he, he, he was, yeah. He, he got a pass for the for the weekend, but uh, but we did we completely <laughs> understand. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was cool, man. So that's something different. How how did you land? Was it just because you're massive AFI fans is why you landed on that, or did you get a choice? Like, how do MPF kind of bring this to you guys? Well, 
I mean, I just I just hassled Trey for like one of the organisers for like a year. <laughs> right. I mean, I was, kind of jokingly said joke, to him last year. I joked with him because I remember on the last on the last night of uh, the festival the year before. I'd sort of drunkenly messaged a tree going, oh, how about next year we go full meta and do 40 minutes of AFI songs? <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's actually quite a good idea. You know, let's think on it. <laughs> and then uh, I, I kept messaging him about it at sort of various points in the year. And eventually he said yes. Um, and so so we just went for it. But I don't know. I, we just, I think it's we just like, thought it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then it's also, they're one of the bands as well that people would either favourably or unfavourably compare us to online. Okay. So we just we just leaned into it, and then we found out in the process of learning the songs that Gareth obviously modelled his entire guitar sound <laughs> JP J setup from AFI, um, and it and a lot of the a lot of the connected stuff as well. We realised that this thing we call the pre-chorus, which is like the, you know a couple of cards running into the. And, you know, yeah, we've we basically we just been ripping off like the Nitroia. <laughs> all of our song structures are very similar. <laughs> so you know what? It wasn't an enormous leap. I just, um, but I maintain it's because it's that kind of thing that I think a lot of people, and I definitely in this way, have kind of got set in their ways of. It's that sort of stereotype of you know whatever you fall in love with when you're a kind of teenager when you first get into music is always with going to be with you. Um. And I think, you know, despite the fact I probably don't listen to them as much anymore, it's kind it's of stuck. There. It's in there. It's died in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, we're uh, locked now. Yeah. <laughs> totally relate to that. When I was in a band years ago, back in the mid uh, early 2000s, uh, I became a massive Capdown fan. And virtually every song I wrote was Scar Wars in a different key. Yeah. I've seen them at pubs in Darlow, like uh, the, the tap was and stuff. I think that was like one of my first gigs I ever went to actually when I was about fifteen. Oh yeah. nice! That was capped down. Yeah, bought my first illegal drink there. <laughs> Shouldn't name the bar really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, 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 you you got a point there, Gareth. In that, like you know, you do kind of wear you you wear your influences on your sleeves, and that's just that's just how it goes. Like I I learned how to play um, guitar listening to Oasis. So mm-hmm. if I play a guitar solo, it sounds like an Oasis guitar solo no matter what I do, because that's just how yeah. I learned to yeah. move my fingers, uh, which is why when I'm doing stuff in bands, I don't play guitar solos, because I don't want that horrible I think it infl- especially if you're kind of like that self-taught side of things, you tend to learn by looking at what people who you like play. And that does kind of influence it. And it's hard to sort of, if you're not kind of classically trained, sure. to have that kind of sort of jump around, yeah. sort of, you know, well, between different things. I only had a guitarist, a guitar teacher for two years who uh, d- he didn't teach me any theory. He just got me to bring my CDs along, <laughs> which was good fun at the time. But yeah, this is why I don't play guitar because I didn't I didn't learn a huge amount. <laughs> it was good fun though when it lasted. Thanks, Sid. <laughs> How did you guys? So, what's what's your stories then? So, um, Alice, we'll start with you. What was your sort of? How, how did you discover punk and de- decide this was kind of my thing? Well, um, I don't know. I'd always leaned towards the alternative when I was younger, and I, I used to sort of say I was I was a goth. But when I when I realised I was saying this in interviews, I realised that people thought that I meant like the music, and I was like, no, I was just the aesthetic kind of goth, <laughs> um, and I was very fourteen in two thousand. Uh, so it was very much uh, sort of Marilyn Manson, limp biscuit, baggy trousers, very embarrassing. Um, 
But yep. then I went to, and I'd, I'd listened to, I, I, I already liked AFI and I already liked Amen. Um, and then, you know, the sort of garagey, like California type stuff. Um, and that was basically just stuff like the CDs they used to give away on Metal Hammer and stuff like that. And then I went to Sixth Form College and I met these guys um, who were very much into their punk. Yeah, you, you all sort of, it was AFI or um, Offspring. Um, no effects, all those kind of bands, and I just kind of gravitated towards that. And I really liked the sort of anger and energy. And then it was it was around a similar sort of time that I'd started going to like the hidden talent gigs in Darlington, um, which were obviously all the punk bands and stuff. So it just kind of came organically from there, really. But yeah, when you first met me, I was very much a long black hair, black trench coat, new new rock wearing goth, <laughs> much to my shame. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Gareth? What's yours? Um, I think yeah, yeah, I got. I can't remember. I think I first got into people like The Offspring, which I think was a lot of people of similar ages kind of jumping off point because especially sort of, you know, being from the northeast of England, we weren't getting any around here, you know, especially in my hometown. Um, so it was basically just local bands. So there was a prevalence toward metal and things like that. But then I remember I went to see The Offspring and I saw AFI supporting them. And I was like, holy shit, like, what's this? Because it was during the, the still, like, debatable whether they were hardcore or goth punk or whatever. But it was basically, like, something, you know, that I hadn't sort of been exposed to before, that kind of sound. Yeah. And um, from there, it was the whole sort of reading the liner notes thing and looking at bands, so getting into bands like the Nerve Agents, who were obviously very tight with them, and, and then... I think Andy Grinelli is who is the Distillers drummer. So I got into the Distillers because he played with the Nerve Agents, um, you know, and just like that. I mean, a lot of it was looking in the liner notes of albums because I'd have to order yep. the albums from our local record shop because they wouldn't have any of them in, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then looking and seeing who they had thanked and going, right, I'll uh, I'll spend five days downloading one song off uh Bizarre or LimeWire to see. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got all my AFI albums originally. It was uh, the legal downloads from LimeWire. <laughs> what are the days? Yeah. <laughs> that was quite an intellectual answer. I will, yeah. I will say, I, I enjoyed, like, yeah, it was a, a line of notes for me as well and reading the lyrics um, and then sort of discovering bands like Bad Religion and just kind of the. Oh, and bands who had reading lists in their liner notes as well. That was always a, was quite quite yeah. a trip as well. And sort of learning learning new things from that too. Yeah, it's sort of it was sort of a weird era because like obviously now if anyone hears this who's probably gotten into music in the last ten years won't remember all this stuff or know of this stuff. Mm. Um, and it's it's such a strange kind of like thing because I'm guessing you're around the same age as me then, um, yeah, based like, on yeah. the stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, like, I, we we're from a generation that basically went from no internet to internet to whatever craziness this is in such a yeah quick period of time, and it's mental just how it like all those things like finding bands and stuff. The the, the way I do it now is Instagram, and that's weird. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if we've lost something a bit because it used to have, it used to be. Because this is, I mean, I, I hate myself now. I've I, I paid for Spotify. It took years. I only, only eventually sort of signed up last year and stuff like that. Because you kind of have to. But I feel like we've lost something because it, it used to be a really sort of active process, you know, finding music, listening to the music. What I used to love was getting something home from the shop that you just bought 
you know, putting it putting it on the deck and then getting the liner notes out and reading them along with like actively listening to this album. Because there's one thing I, I, I kind of, I know I, I sound a bit like get off your lawny here, but like, you know, th that thing of music seems to a lot of the time now just be something on in the background, you know, you'll, you'll be in a shop and say, oh, I like this song, you know, sure. how long do you like, you know, you like this band or whatever, trying to make a connection with somebody. And then they're just like, oh, it's just a Spotify playlist. I don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a very sort of passive consumption of music. Whereas when we were growing up, like to get the things that you wanted, that to be an active process, you had to go down the record shop. You had yeah. to, you you would you'd be sending well, away for things and you know send CD like cassette swaps and things like that and yeah. signing up to fan fan mailing lists and all that kind of thing. You know yeah. where you actually got something in the post. Yeah, I think and and not to sound like too much of an old bastard, but like because <laughs> I think there is a there is a danger towards that because every generation thinks they kind of had it but I kind of think back to how many bands that I really loved that I would have missed out on because when it, you got the CD or whatever or the cassette and like you'd invested in it so I had to give it a serious listen and there were plenty of albums that I listened to like the first time and I, I didn't quite get it and it was only through repeated listening listenings. that you yeah. kind of started to appreciate what that what they were doing because it was something different to what you'd heard i think the the only band that i listened to once and then never listened to it again was that black metal band dimu borshi like, <laughs> one of my friends got me to get there oh god i got it had a really obscene album cover on it and i listened to it and i was like this is shite <laughs> impenetrable yeah metal. yeah black metal isn't for me <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not for me either. I end, I, I've told the story on this before, but I ended up playing... My band um, in the early 2000s was a ska punk band. And we ended what up... Getting, uh, we were called out of Gage. We didn't really do anything, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We were more of a local band. Occasionally did the odd yeah. tour here and there, but nothing nothing really took off. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but we ended up going to Derby and playing this gig. And it was literally us and black metal bands. Uh, and we found out when we got there and i just went to the promoter and went what on earth have you put us on this lineup for and he's like oh, i just liked you it's like oh dear so we we dropped c2 really. yeah what did the black metal fans make here once you got the trumpets out well we didn't have trumpets luckily because i think uh, that would have been a death nail but we had yeah. uh we, we took all of us all of we wrote we just dropped c tuned and just played everything lower and heavier <laughs> and, and people were like oh doom scar this is brilliant and i was like <laughs> It, we've got out of this it's fine we, i i genuinely believe i think one of the bands before us was like called cattle annihilator or something like that i can't remember exactly <laughs> sure it had the word annihilator and an animal in it and yeah. i was just terrified by the audience and everything we were just you know like all all, all vans kids looking like blink 182 rejects like 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 i'm dressed now and <laughs> like even at 40 don't grow out of it and, yeah it was just yeah it was, it's, it's just not a genre that I can get on board with at all. I think I think everybody's had those experiences though when you're in a band where you, you get there and you go like, yuck, I'm appreciative from the, for the fact we've been given this chance to play and stuff like that. But, but why, why have this here? Because it, it's that thing of like where you feel like it, this feels like a futile exercise and that we're not going to win. <laughs> you know, people might be polite and watch you, but like, you know, it's not, you're not going to be winning over people here, and it is an audience as well. I think also get that feeling of like, this is weird. Yeah, I I think it broke up the the day 
for everyone yeah. like because you had like every band almost doing the exact same thing and then we yeah. did something different but that's you know it, it was I, I think i'd rather have, like like you said if it's an, if it's a gig like that where it's like everyone's just indifferent to you i think i'd rather no one be there yeah yeah i think you i would have rather that yeah. If you're in the middle of the day, this is like the Pele Almquist thing. Like, you're the main course. You've had your starter. <laughs> you get used to it. It's just because years ago, I think, was it Leeds Festival? Where yeah. it was Pele Almquist from the highs. Um, and because they run about four o'clock in the middle of the day or something. And the crowd is a little bit sparse in places. And I think he was just kind of like, yeah, so he said, you've had your starter. Got your dessert coming up. And here you are with the highs as the main course. So that's <laughs> I'm going to use that for next time we get put on an odd bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? How did you guys get together and start the band? Then, what was the sort of genesis of that? Well, it was uh, sixth form college. So, you lived in a smaller town called Bishop Auckland, which is about twelve miles away, and we all went to college in Darlington, and we just met there. You guys, I mean, you, you and the bassist were kind of already playing together, um, and I went to see you. At one of the local art centres, and it was like the worst gig I think I'd ever seen in my life. Right. So <laughs> oh wow! Just, just, just <laughs> no, no, no. Just to just to defend our bassist here, not myself. That wasn't our band. No, we no, played we, we played as well. Yeah. But I played with another band that was like me and like some punks from uh, Bishop Auckland, and we played some F minus covers terribly. We, and Clarky we, we, just just started singing Dead um, Kennedys, yeah, he was, he was so drunk I was singing. Anyway, it was terrible, um, but a few months <laughs> later they said uh, they wanted to start something new and they didn't know anyone who could sing and I was the only person they knew who could sing a bit so I just said yes yeah. and we, we went and had a few practices and and here we are. I mean, yeah. uh, but that's the thing. It's been a, it's been a slow burn, and 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 most of it in the early days was just sort of local local scene gigs. Yeah, we didn't I mean, really get much outside of the northeast. Yeah, we didn't in the first couple of incarnations of the band. We didn't really play. It was our previous band before in Evil Hour, um, where we started like getting some shows around sort of Manchester area. No, we, and, and we did play London. Yeah. And in the, so. So we formed, we started off in the local area and we were called No Libido. And then that graduated into the ill-advised horror punk years when uh, it was me, you and the bassist and we were called the Zombie Headhunters and we just sang songs about uh, Hammer Horror and World yeah. War Z and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did, And we did a few sort of EPs and things like that. Recorded an album that like never came out, that got lost. Um, and then we got a few gigs in London and stuff like that and then after that we sort of dropped the horror punk thing got a new drummer and then from there we became an evil hour and then yeah, yeah just made it made it a mission to sort of play in as many different places as we could yeah yeah, yeah. that's a that's a pretty good summary of the <laughs> history so was it, of the was it at that point that when, what point did you guys decide to go hammer and tongs because obviously like I was saying, like, my band didn't really do anything, so there wasn't really a period for that. Is there, like, a, a natural sort of feeling for you guys of, we're on to something here, let's pursue it? And Oh, no, it was nothing, like, that calculated. We were, we were just doing it because we enjoyed it. I mean, we, we were from a scene as well where a lot of people had bands. It was just kind of, I mean, it was quite quite an active scene, like, around Bishop Auckland. But I think but, it was in a lot of places, to be fair, probably at that time. It's probably your time. experience as well. Like, there, sure, was, yeah. there, was, there was There was local scenes where you almost had... And that, 
I'm safe in saying we were never popular in our local scene, no, 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 but there were bands who were almost like, you know, huge in the local scene in that they would sell out like local venues, but then didn't really they didn't, didn't go, sort of go any further. I'm feeling sort of gutted at the time, sort of wanting their success. And then I think we kind of, what we ended up doing was like we played out the local area basically where there's only so many venues and there's only so many times you can play it. Mm. And so we sort of had to start looking a bit further afield um, and we just started doing the whole messaging thing and just messaging as many venues as we could and, and setting up little mini tours where we'd, we'd go away in like two cars because we didn't have a van <laughs> or anything like that and um, sort of do everything wrong. And then I think we had one in Derby where we ended up playing to like the bar staff and a, a man with a dog. That was that, that was weird, Bill, because we had the guy who thought he was like this soloist who was like, oh, thought yeah. he was like Eric Clapton or something. Right, okay. Then an indie acoustic duo who were really good lads. I remember we yeah. had drinks with them afterwards, but, and then us as like a horror punk and that, band. That, that yeah, was it was like weird. that. Was, so we played, we played many shows that weren't very good played many shows that, that, that were good. And then mm. from just from doing that kind of stuff, we just got loads of contacts, met loads of people. I mean, throughout all of this, we've never been sort of a you know, a full time band. We've always had we've always had jobs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's but I think I think that's that's fairly people. standard. I mean I kind of make a point now with when you when you when you manage to get on a bill with somebody who you really admire or somebody you think was famous. Like I always make a point of asking if they've got jobs and they've always got jobs well, yeah i mean that, that's the thing like, <laughs> there's no fucking punk man <laughs> as soon as you get that point where you do get a sort of support some bands maybe you're into like the majority of them are working mm-hmm. yeah they've got this mystique around them i remember it was like we because we got a really good opportunity i mean things really kicked up for us when uh, the second in evil hour drummer mike joined and mike had been in the hardcore band assert um, he played with a band over in America, um, Snapper from California, and with one of the members of um, Social Distortion. He played drums in their band. Cool. So, and he came back to Darlington, and Mike like had like he was older than us. He had experience, and he was very like he was helpful in terms of the we need to practice get yeah, this he had, tight he had you contacts know. and so we got into from there we got into a really sort of like pro cycle you know we were practicing a couple of times a yeah. week we got like super tight you know we got the show down and it just meant that wherever we went we could just yeah sort of deliver and yeah you know and, and that's the thing we've, we've never been sort of but that but that was it sorry i was getting onto the oh, talking sorry. about jobs thing because we got oh, so right. we got open for the misfits not the original misfits obviously the the kind of um the previous incarnation but that was in london i remember i was having a cigarette outside afterwards and somebody was like oh, i really enjoyed the show and i was like thank you thank you and they were like so so do you guys do this full time and i just laughed i was like <laughs> and i like i didn't i wasn't like mocking the person but it was kind of that Thing of like oh yeah i remember i used to think like when you saw bands in uh bigger venues you just kind of presume but it's, yeah. it's that thing of like there isn't that much money in this you want to see what we are what we are you you probably uh, paid more for transport to this gig than we're getting paid yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's one of, that's one of the things uh the, the sort of industry secrets that i've figured out found out by doing this is i've spoken to people who are in like I, I have spoken to the drummer from Descendants on this. I've done, um, uh, let's see, Wheatus. I've done loads of these different bands that I've been fortunate enough to speak to, and 
like I remember doing one with a band where we're doing the interview and they're at the restaurant that they work at. <laughs> what yeah. they're on their lunch break doing the doing yeah, the podcast with me. Yeah. And they're like they were like a band that I, I'm like, I've got all your records. How how yeah. I how are you working in that? And then you know, that's when it sort of dawned on me that unless you're yeah. very fortunate, um yeah. you know, you, you this is a part time gig almost. Yeah, I think you have to you have to be sort of like business minded about it as well, which we have not been at all. Well, no, the, you know, because it's been all about what what we enjoy doing and what we want to do. I think. Yeah, um, and and we we sort of even at the sort of like very rudimentary elements of being business like about it. A lot of it just kind of makes me cringe now. Like you know, the idea of when writing the press pack and writing a bio for your band. And yeah, yeah, some of the things right. some of the things we used to write about ourselves, I just think you pretentious pricks. <laughs> like, and I think we were just kind of aping what a lot of people do, and the, the, it's it's kind of fairly depressing once you just see through it, and you go like, you know, people writing incendiary around, oh, incendiary life. It's like, no, you fucking not. You're just a really good band. Yeah. <laughs> let's not let's not fucking overblow this. <laughs> you know, and it's it's those things that you if you are focused on it to make a career of it, you do have to eat a lot of that bullshit. But I think the other thing was is we always have this thing that as soon as it starts feeling like a job, like yeah. you might as well just have a job. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, so and I think yeah, there's there's people that we've known who've gone full time with it, and they just kind of end up broken, mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. There's, um, there's there's definitely something. I mean, that, not always. Sorry. You sound like I'm being super negative, but you know. No, no. I I get what you mean, like because I've seen bands like um, Real Big Fish is my favorite example of this thing. Of I've seen them a bunch of times over the years, and every time I see them, there's a different. There's always different people in the band apart from the singer. The singer's the only one that's stu- yeah. stayed the course, basically. Mm. And they do the same. They've done the last three times I've seen them. They've done the exact same routine, and you can see that he's dead behind the eyes. He's done. Like he just he sees it as a. a, a it, it feels like he sees it as an obligation, mm. um, to carry on. And yeah, like you said, I I think. If you aren't, if if you're seeing it as a job and you're just growing through the motions, what is the point? Because you might as well. I think there's that. It's that being for for people who have been sort of as sort of successful or whatever for them as well is. I mean, look, everybody feels like this in their day to day job. I think you can almost become institutionalized though, where you're like, I literally don't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and obviously, I I feel worse for kind of american artists because there is no there is no social security state other than an absolute bare minimum one really protecting you so you you ain't you know finding a new career is going to be very difficult even if you want to so i think it does push people uh and if you know have to keep going yeah it's 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 a rough it's i mean i didn't even get anywhere close to it but it just seems like a very rough it can be a very rough business but i guess on the flip side of that when you're actually performing and you're doing that and you've got like a room full of people on board with you uh, they've come to see you you know it's kind of like the reward for the yeah 
the kind yeah, of rough, the rough patches and stuff. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I mean, I think it's that thing too that I always have this joke that a lot of uh, touring is it's mostly just waiting, and and you know you, the longest you'll probably get on stage is is that is like an hour, and the rest of the time you've got to fill the time, and that's why you end you end up with a lot of people who've got sort of like drink and drug problems because there's kind of nothing else to do on the day. You just just yeah. waiting. You know, you have that sort of adoration for thirty minutes to an hour on the evening. Um, and then, then you get back in the van and you, you have to go somewhere else. And so, you know, you can see why. I mean, I will say there's some people who just seem to be built for it. You know, people who, you know, can, can live out of a suitcase, you know, can put down roots mm-hmm. sort of wherever they are, you know, who I'm, I'm not one of these people who just kind of, you know, socially gregarious and, you know, love talking to everybody. And that's it. And And, 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 and we love it, you know, for the times when we do get to go away. But, you know, I can see that if you'd been sort of doing it, you know, for full, you know, for weeks on end for 25 years, it probably, it probably would be difficult, you know? Yeah. And imagine like, you know, the 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 top selling artists of, of all time sort of thing, see they're going to go do Glastonbury or something like that as me going into the office on a Monday. Yeah, well, do you know oh. what? I did think that when we were watching uh, the Manic Street Preachers, because we, we watched their footage at the weekend and they, they've got like um they've got somebody new in to sort of give the songs a bit of a new dimension but then he's playing like motorcycle emptiness and i was thinking how many times must he have sung this song yeah. <laughs> yeah. throughout the years and something like glastonbury as well you know you're not you're not playing like your album material or this you know this song that you've worked on you know that you really love that you want to share with people you know people are there for the hits and you've got to play yeah. the hits and yeah you know and you know they, they i mean they, they were great and they were tight and everything but there was yeah there was a couple of times where i was thinking god how how, how many times must you have sung that note yeah <laughs> just look at him going oh this is this again <laughs> this bloody song some have been super negative i mean we've you know we've been doing it this long for a reason because we love it and love sharing sort of what we've what we've made with people and then you know and those those albums are kind of out there and 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 then Ian Glasper put us put us in a book about like punk rock history, which I think is you know oh that's cool, is, which is something I'd never have expected. You know, we started out. You know, if I'd been speaking to eighteen year old me, that yeah, I mean, I was really excited when he came and spoke to us once and said he liked us. Yeah, like I'd seen Ian play in his hardcore band Stamping Ground when I was like sixteen. Right. I actually got absolutely fucking crunched in their pit. <laughs> <laughs> they did a wall of death. And I was from like Bishop Auckland, northeast of England. There weren't wall of deaths. I didn't know what hardcore dancing <laughs> was. So I was like just fucking stood there going, <laughs> What's happening? And I was kind of on the edge of it and just got like absolutely just, yeah, like all nine stone of me just got absolutely like <laughs> annihilated in that. Um but yeah, so it was really exciting sort of, you know, getting to meet him because like I loved his band and that. Yeah. 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 Speaking of injuries and gigs and stuff, like you, you mentioned the tour before. At that tour with uh, AFI and the Offspring, I actually broke a rib during during AFI, and oh, I missed. I, they came out. I think they did Girls Girls Gone Grey. I think that was what they started with. I can't remember because it was in such intense pain. Because yeah. A A had p- played before them. Right. Yeah. Weirdly. Right. I have to make this comment for people who remember this. What God. happened to A? Because A fucking disappeared for years and then popped up with the whole Starbucks thing. But I swear they were playing that back then. Yeah. It was just weird. I'd literally not heard of them again. And then, yeah. like, suddenly 
we do it like just massive on TV. It being a confusing listing though, because it was like A, AFI. Well, well, if if you want to know what A are doing, you can listen to the uh, episode of the podcast I did with their drummer Yin. No, I don't. Oh, um, no, no, I, I, well, Yin, the singer and the drummer work in promotions and do record record albums and stuff now. So the, right. um, the singer Jason is now responsible for virtually everything you hear with McFly and The Used. They think he did some stuff with them. Oh, wow. um, a band called The Blackout back in the day. Like, there's a quite he's done quite a lot of that. Is what they yeah. do now. Um, right. they, they they went from like I said, they did their couple albums, then they got into the music industry. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and they do it that way now. But yeah, uh, so A had played, and then I there was a bit of a break, and I was I was eighteen, maybe seventeen, eighteen or something, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go to the front. I'm a big boy now. <laughs> I'm at the front of the guardrail, and then they came out, and the whole MEN arena just went forward, <laughs> and I wasn't ready. And I yeah, went, that was oh. the same show I was at. Oh, you were at the same show. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, well, I, got, I got crushed over the rib, over the thing. My, my, I felt my rib just go. Oh, geez. and I'm just over the side, and the security guy's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And I'm just like, "Oh, but <laughs> can't can't hear me because there's a band on." Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just like looking like you know Donald um, was he Donald Sutherland at the end of uh, Invasion of the Body Statues. Just got my mouth out like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, I get dragged over, taken out the back for a St. John's ambulance. And then I went I, I went back out for the offspring. I was like, I have to go see that. But I, I, I missed all of AFI because of it. Oh, oh no. Well, like... they, sorry, I was just going to say, they did have like, I remember they had like real technical problems all the way through. But that was like, that was kind of exciting for me because I was like, holy shit, like a band like playing <laughs> arena where things aren't working. Like, you know, that was kind of, I don't know, that, that kind of reality check's kind of nice, I think. Yeah, I always used to really love it when you saw the band members interacting with each other because I think when you were younger, you know, the only experience you'd had of these people was kind of just static images in, you know, we didn't have music, you know, I, I didn't have MTV or Sky or anything, so I didn't really watch music videos. We didn't properly have the internet or anything. So it was like just static photos of people. And I always used to really love it when you see like, you know, the guitar and singers sort of like nudge each other or give each other a look during or something. I used to love that stuff. You know, th that's actually part of, that's yeah. one of the things I love about watching bands in uh, MPF and stuff. Cause um, like you see all these different bands that you've never really heard. Like you guys, for example, I, I, I'm sorry to say, I didn't actually know of, of you guys until a friend of mine told me to go see you guys at, is it, was it 20... 22? Was it? You did, yeah. you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before last, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, you, you'll you love these guys. And I was like, all right, I'll go along because that's kind of, you know, why I do that. And I saw a band in the very first one I went to in 2019 called Suggested Friends. And they were just this, like, oh, they were an opening act on the bread shed. And they would just look like the best of friends. They were all looking at each other, yeah. smiling, kind of had this thing of like, oh my God, we're playing MBF. Like it had this kind of yeah. like, yeah, that kind of like joy. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I love I love that. I hate, I don't like it when it's just, here's the here's the planned performance that we've got. And this is just what yeah. we're going to do. Like, well, that's what we try yeah. and always give because I can't stand it. You know, still now I get like actively angry about it. If a band comes out and they look like they're either staring at the shoes. I mean, I know there's certain bands where that's the, that's the vibe, but you know, Put, put, I, I want to put on the sort of show that I'd want to see, you know, that, yeah. you know, and even if you're having a bit of a bad day, you know, people are still turned up to see you and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do think that about MPF though, there is, 
there's such an atmosphere of joy all the way through that festival because it's just it's it's made by fans for fans and everybody who plays it is a fan you know and 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 everybody there playing it is just as much there for the lineup you know we're seeing bands all weekend you know just hang out and mm. you know yeah. and also the the foot in the you know that it gives it gives a lot of younger i mean we're at the point in our lives now where i can talk about younger bands you know and <laughs> it, gives, it gives younger bands like a you know the an a, 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 entry into the scene I mean, yeah i mean like mpf is like a real in terms of the punk rock community like uh not only like a amazing festival put on by great people it's like a real kind of community service for the uh, for punk rock well, bands and the, work, it, it just... the work they've done to find you know sort of such an eclectic lineup yeah, know, yeah. Of, of new and emerging people as well it's just it's just amazing and yeah. you don't you don't see much of that now these days because because it's a risk too because obviously festivals you know they want to pick bands that people know already that are definitely going to get bums on seats and stuff like that and i don't feel like mps ever operated under that and, it's, and it's never suffered for it yes because i think there's such a big crowd out there who just love mps yeah who would yeah, go they would, they're going to vote mpf we would go anyway yeah, yeah you know we 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 book tickets every year and, and we, had, we had to sell them this year obviously because we were we were playing but yeah. you know it's 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 a festival that we would go to even if we weren't playing it yeah it's yeah it's such a brilliant festival yeah, we were saying about um, like the the lineup thing with MPF. So the, the one thing I like about it is that each year it the bands that like play Zombie Shack, Breadshed, uh, the Union and stuff. Sorry, Zombie Shack and Breadshed and like Gorilla and that they end up in the Union or they end up in Gorilla or that. You know what I mean? Like there is a progression. And one of the yeah. great things about it is that it seems to build fan bases, help build fan bases. Sorry, for bands. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, well, I mean, because we we were on very much on the punk scene, and you know there is kind of older audience with there, and it's you know we've we've got a sort of a, a younger audience through MPF as well, um, you know which, you know which is testament to the sort of focus they generate, you know, just by putting on, and it and it was all just sort of grassroots stuff, just from putting on good gigs for years, you know, so they already had people who knew that if you went to something that they put on, it was going to be a good time, yeah. and. The level of organisation it's taken as well, and the fact you know the the, the whole town's engaged with it, like the town centre, all the venues, you know, the, yeah. coordinating something like that in a town centre between like what six, six, seven venues or something, something like, like that. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing, and everybody gets to where they need to be. Everything happens on time. You know, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's brilliant. It's a, it's a highlight. It's a highlight of the year. It really is. You know, we we'll go every year. <laughs> What have been, just generally speaking, then? What have been some of the positive highlights of being in the band for you guys? Um, well, I mean, you know, there's there's the obvious one of getting to play, you know, songs that we've written to to people who seem to be, appreciate them, which it doesn't yeah. doesn't ever really get old, you know. I mean, um, I, I think for a long time because because we were just a real local band for a long time, and everything we've got to do has been kind of awesome right <laughs> the, yeah, idea, yeah. the idea of you know ever getting a support bands that we love which we've been lucky to do you know like getting to play with ignite you know um people like that is um is just kind of amazing well, because that was never that was never kind of in the plan mm-hmm. well i mean there wasn't really a plan but i, no, I was no. never I, I was i mean and i think you're the same we were never people who sort of sat at home and went, 
right so five years time i wanted to want to have done this this and this like we we never did that and in some ways for me that's like a self-preservation thing because i have quite a pessimistic outlook and i'm like well if you look forward to stuff and it doesn't happen then you've just you've played yourself basically (laughs) so so, you know so I, i was never sitting there going oh you know wouldn't it be great if we could play with x or whatever but gradually sort of the longer we were doing it we we kept getting these opportunities like playing with bands that we'd listened to since we were teenagers and you know getting to share a pint with him and you know yeah. that that sort of stuff was just just amazing you know get, getting asked to sort of do do tours with you know people that we'd looked up to for a very long time and you know and, and then i got to do extra stuff like that i never would have had, had opportunity to do like um like i went to serbia doing backing vocals for the angelic upstarts and things like that and that never would have happened if we hadn't been you know sort of on the scene and doing the things that we've been doing um you know so so it's stuff like that and then just the fact that yeah we've, we've met some of our best friends in the world you know had some had some great parties like you know um made some of our you know really good made some really good friends on the scene you know mm. done done all sorts of things i never would have expected to and so and, and yeah i think yeah what i was saying was you know we're, we're not really like a message band but we sing we write and sing about the things that we are passionate about and and it's cool. it's really nice to be able to do that still after all this time yeah has there been has there ever been a time with you guys where you thought that you're not really wanting to do it anymore or has it always been because it's a labor of love and stuff it's something you've really wanted to stick with i think i think there have there have been times where it seems there's been times with changes of drummers because after mike who'd been in the band for a long time um and was like the first he wasn't the first in the our drummer but he was the main one we recorded the albums with him when mike decided he kind of wanted to stop doing band stuff um we went through a kind of su- succession of drummers a lot of them were great people some where it just didn't kind of work out logistically and there were times where it was like training people back up to play the set it, it was getting to be a, a struggle you know around around other stuff um i think to sort of maintain our own enthusiasm for it as well because it, it meant as well that we were quite static during that time and we were constantly changing drummers we weren't you know we weren't writing new stuff we weren't we weren't able to kind of plan for things because we didn't know yeah if we were going to have somebody regularly and then the other thing was is once you sort of go beyond your friend pool and i know that lots of lots of musicians will find this as well once you've gone beyond your sort of immediate friend pool then you you're constantly sort of battling against the fact that you you sometimes aren't people's priority you know especially with drummers in the northeast usually those guys are in sort of three or four other bands at least yeah yeah uh, and you know we we'd be sort of behind their, their their immediate friends band and then the one that you know paid them good money and all this and so we, we kind of weren't people's yeah. priority and it and it did lead to a long period where you are sort of questioning like you know what what are we doing here but you know i'm just so glad that we did persevere because after all of that you know and i think i think over the long over the course of the whole band history we probably had about 10 10 drummers maybe wow <laughs> wow quite quite a lot um but we finally settled on um the, the new well the newest he's not exactly new now but the newest guy mick and he's somebody who's um filled in for us a couple of times over the year and we always wanted him like full time but he was always in too many other bands he had other things to do and then finally, we've uh, we poached him sort of last year, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. And asked him to go full time, and it's just been honestly, it's been a dream since you know when when everybody's pulling in the same direction, 
everybody's there because they want to be and because they enjoy it you know it's just it's just yeah. brilliant and i'm so glad we did persevere i think it just helps that we're kind of already friends with him as well because it just makes it like what alice was saying about the fact that the majority of it is waiting or sitting in a van yeah yeah or whatever it, it makes it a lot easier and you've got to get on with people because again that, i think that's what gets people on tarring you know if you've got even slight niggles with people or you don't get on or someone doesn't entirely want to be there yeah know, those issues just get bigger and bigger and it doesn't matter if you're away for sort of five days or five weeks you know it's gonna it's gonna be yeah. difficult for everybody that's yeah. the cop that's been my complication about even trying to form a band since my last one broke up because th- that one even though um we never really got anywhere it was they're my favorite people like yeah i mean one of them is my brother so he kind of has to be but the other two are like close mates who i barely see but when we do collide now it's it's like nothing's changed whereas like and it was very easy to sort of tell each other something wasn't working or wasn't good or wasn't right or anything like that whereas like since it's just every single single time i've been in a band it's just you you, you, you're jamming something that in your head you're going this is awful yeah i'm not feeling it but no one in the but you try and bring it to them and then you're just being and it's that you know like there's all that kind of thing so having yeah we've definitely suffered from that because we are relatively kind of conflict averse and i think there's times where we probably should have just been a bit more like yeah i mean i do think if looking back now and knowing what we know now there was there was long periods where we just kind of let things go when we if, if someone like wasn't behaving right or they weren't doing things ha- or, or even just not playing how we wanted to or even but just we, it was obvious they weren't enjoying it but rather but rather than yeah. challenge a lot of the time we were just kind of like oh we've got somebody you know we don't want to kind of mess that up you know it's better than having no one yeah i mean and that's and i say all this you know but but gareth's like the backbone here you know like you all know this from being in bands there's you know <laughs> people people aren't often sort of very like i don't know people who want to put work in and stuff like that gareth is the absolute backbone and and i say all this about us putting the work in and stuff but the band would not have carried on if over the years we didn't have gareth like constantly pushing and you know writing things and organizing practices and stuff like that you know patience an absolute saint organizing everybody when it's like <laughs> cats you know, and you know, I think certainly if I was I was in charge, things would not have sort of kept running at the speed they did. Um, and it's just, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's got their kind of roles to play in it, though, isn't there? You can't have too many sort of people with, like, megalomaniac complex like myself. <laughs> I, I'm being sort of facetious there, but you can't have, you know, it works on a kind of balance, doesn't it? Like, yeah. give our bass player is, like, one of my oldest friends, We've known each other since we were kids, you know. He's like my best, one of my best friends, if not my best friend. And he's just like the most easygoing person in the world. And that, you know, you just tell him what he needs to do and he turns up and does it. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that, that's and, and certain, what you need as and well. And certainly with us three, I mean, we, we barely need to speak now to be able to write. You know, we, we are, we're sort of so in tune with each other. And then what's great is that Mick has come into that and we're just completely on a level with him, you know, right. and, and, you know so he know he knows he's known us and known the band for that long that he knows kind of what we want from songs um he's he's putting his own bits in like he's 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 written a few riffs and stuff for us to sort of start new songs on and it's just yeah it's just fantastic you know we've we've done we've done many years where 
there's always there's been some kind of problem or something that kind of makes it difficult and we've we've entered like a sort of new phase here where like everything just seems to be coming up millhouse lovely <laughs> great phrase as well love you i love a simpsons <laughs> reference so yeah, well, that's our drummer as well. He loves the Simpsons reference. And, and our bass, actually. They're all over the group chat with the Simpsons references all the time. Yeah, I've got to go through my fucking phone and delete all of the, like... <laughs> <laughs> Simps- See, that's the thing. Simpsons memes are brilliant. I'm in uh, a football chat. I'm in a music chat. And I'm also in a wrestling chat. And they're all Simpsons memes. And you see the same ones, but they just managed to tweak it a little bit to apply to what we're, <laughs> we're talking about. It's, it's brilliant. And they predicted the submarine, oh. apparently. Hey, what? You know that submarine that vanished? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they predicted that as well. You, you, hey. know, you know that theory of Simpsons? Um, yeah, yeah, because they predicted the, the whole uh, predicting Trump being president. Yeah, and he's up down the escalator and stuff. Yeah, did you see that shit? Like, yeah, that's some, that's some weird Illuminati oh, I have stuff. to read up about them predicting the submarine. They, yeah, there's an episode of The Simpsons that went round. I'll send you out an email, actually. I'll show you yeah. the clip that my, my brother sent me. And it's literally Homer and a billionaire <laughs> like controlling a submarine that looks very similar and it going wrong and i'm like uh, yeah <laughs> i tell you what though those guys who invented that thing had never played subnautica i don't know if you've ever played the pc video game subnautica but that game taught me don't go in the water <laughs> not just to do that <laughs> just don't go in it just don't go in it oh god just don't go <laughs> So what's what's next? <laughs> Jeez. Um, what what's next for the band then? So have you got anything uh, tours lined up? Any albums or singles or anything like that? What's what's coming up? Um, we are we we're not hammering it with the touring. Um, we did that for a very long time, and you know I don't I don't think it sort of benefits everybody. So we're taking the gigs that we want to play. Um, we've got we're doing um, we've got a couple of gigs. We've got like one in York next, and then it's Rebellion Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, we did do some recording at the start of this year. That's so, kind of being mixed and mastered. We, we, we're, build, we're building up. We, we, we do want to release something else soon. And our, our plan was to sort of do it this year. But actually, we ended up, but, but the first part of this year, actually sort of rehearsing for the AFI set, which was a very enjoyable process. So I don't regret anything. <laughs> um, and so so that has sort of held up things with kind of writing new stuff. But we did we did start some new stuff in the last last rehearsal yeah, we, we just we, we're just not like and it's not like sort of even a negative we're just not really that prolific you know it takes sure. it takes a while a kind of like for the the i think i heard chris hannah from propaganda refer to it as kind of the topsoil of life settle until you yeah. feel like you've got kind of new sort of things and particularly because like a lot of our stuff does tend to be kind of it's political or like social commentary focused it it's a pretty bleak time i mean without just like writing a dirge of an album about how everything's kind of breaking and is shit sure i get <laughs> you that know, you know you've i i think that's that's been a kind of sort of struggle definitely not even from from before the pandemic i think politically and the UK anyway. I mean, most places are probably feeling that the same. Sure. Because I think it was that thing of you, you, you had that fire because there was this hope and wanting to try and make things better. But it's, I mean, it's but I feel like I feel, I feel and like our album, <laughs> our album came out like just before the kind of like rise of potentially a positive government in 2017, and yeah. then and then we've kind of like 
we missed we missed the kind of hoppy bit that lasted about a year, <laughs> and now now we're back Despair to now now we're back to the kind of two party hegemony where there's very little different that they're saying, sure. and you know that kind of that that does kind of I think seep into the what what to say. Not even to think we're putting out anything sort of like significant or you know, but even just I know want, what you mean, yeah. wanting to comment on it, like yeah. wanting to write about it. Um, I think yeah, without just writing something that just repeats things as shit <laughs> again and again. A really long fart into a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. I, so I think the greatest thing I ever did, uh, which I did about six months ago and if anyone can do this i recommend do it is delete twitter delete bbc news delete a lot of it and just do you and what you're like so if you've got like a, a political leaning or a feeling or anything like that just get off social media it's the worst mm. thing it's like i i've been honest about this on this as well so i don't mind talking about it but I, my, my um mental health and my anger was just seething all the time because I'm constantly barraged by mm-hmm. it being miserable. It's miserable. It's miserable. Yeah. I, just, I, I just got to a point where I would be snapping at loved ones. Like I, I'd be reading something yeah. on Twitter and my partner would be like hesitant to talk to me because she thought like if um, she says something to me, I'm just going to be, and, and I was, I was in an, I was irritated, not with her, but mm. with what I'm reading, but it would end up spilling into, you know, my yeah. personal life to, to, a, to a degree where I just I didn't want you know I didn't want to feel like that especially around like my newborn who's just turned like she's about a year and a half now yeah. I didn't want and she's learning from me and her so it's yeah, like yeah. doesn't need to see me all amped up all the time or, or you know yeah. and it's it's been brilliant like it, it's kind of fun like a friend of mine will tweet me or sorry will um like message me or something going have you seen what such and such has done now and i'd be like you know what i don't no, know and no, it's I amazing I feel great. <laughs> you know what i couldn't care less <laughs> no i get you because i mean I, I think i'm bad for that as well just kind of scratching scratching the scab um but yeah, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, to, I think to exist like as a political person these days or somebody who is at least aware of the situation is there we're in is to exist in a constant state and like a permanent state of offense you know people people talk about offense a lot these days and like oh i'm offended but it's like i'm yeah i find myself literally offended you know constantly by you know the way our politicians report themselves in public you know mm. the constant uh, uh, gaslighting and lie i know gaslighting again is a word that's a bit overused at the moment but the thing is a lot of the time you just want to hear some realism from people you know i don't want to sure. hear you know another politician sitting up standing up and saying what their plan is you know it, like what what would be wonderful to hear from somebody is just somebody going yeah things are shit now i'm not really sure what we can do about it but we'll have a bloody good go you yeah. know and it's like that there's not even but any subs- but rather than just being told no everything's fine actually your perception is wrong you know that sure. that that is offensive yeah you know? I, I i find it more like i find like <sighs> I'm fairly good at kind of disassociating from that side of it. I just think it's it's more the fact that we're sort of settling into almost this system and it's, you know, the first world problems and everything. You know, the UK doesn't have it as bad as other countries, but just that we've got to this point now where there's almost this glass ceiling on what people should expect, you know? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that yeah. people 
can't want things better <laughs> to be better. It, there's there's a constant almost sort of like, you know, if you want things to be better, you're being unrealistic. It was like the whole sure. thing with Anne Widdicombe saying, well, if you can't afford cheese on your sandwiches, don't have cheese sandwiches. And, and like this thing that, you know, that even even if you don't have, that if you don't have money, that you shouldn't want something nice every now and again or you know yeah. you know that that kind of attitude that we're just supposed to settle into that and that's just the way things are and yeah. actually you know a lot of people might have had it worse so it's probably not that bad anyway but yeah it's just, we've just we just devolved into this sort of almost america light system now though where our major opposition is like the democrats and i think the thing that sort of pisses me off most and makes me most i think there's been the struggle for like writing songs ab- about it is the fact that I don't like, and not to, not to be like sort of nihilistic about it, because we're actually quite happy people, you know, <laughs> most of the time. And that's the weird thing, because like I think when you see us on stage as well, we don't come across like moody or like, you know, yeah. singing about this, this stuff. But, you know, is the fact that we, we, we've settled into this position where now with the opposition or whatever, which is a joke calling them that, it's almost like the Democrats in America where we, we've got a kind of country where it's all just like a fucking masquerade. Like I always think back to the people who were praising Biden winning the election. And I think I, I love this meme that was like, I'm glad Biden won the election so I can go back to hating him now. You know, <laughs> this idea, you know, the idea that like people predominantly just want things to seem fine and predominantly the middle class, because like nobody gives a fuck if Biden's putting kids in cages as long as he doesn't seem happy about the fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah, as long as the, he's... Neg- the negative thing isn't bad, as long as the person probably, you know, as long as you, he, he's looking at it going, oh, well, this isn't very good. And it's like, yeah. no, you're in charge of a nation state. Sort your shit out. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Trump thing was that he said, he said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, the, the, the flip side now is obviously when Biden, the, the sigh of relief was that he was going to go back to saying the, you know the quiet part, yeah, yeah. quiet, quiet parts, quiet, and, yeah, yeah. and we're happy with that status quo sort of thing. But yeah. it, it's, it's for, for me, it's the weaponization though of fringe groups is probably not the right way of explaining it. But it's just to it's just to you know put a a, a, a bow around all the different things. Yeah. Like for example, the LGBTQ plus community, um, people of different races, religions, ethnicities, and stuff. It's the weaponization of those. Um, things at the minute that really just grinds my gears because i'm just like yeah it, it, it's it's there these people who are experiencing these things are not your tools for your career gain but that's what we debate more or argue about more seemingly than real solution to any yeah. genuine <laughs> problem but i think the, the only reason that the tories particularly in the uk and the republicans have latched onto that culture war stuff is because they know that there isn't an effective opposition to it from the... the well, they haven't, we got, they haven't got anything else to sell. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't an effective yeah. opposition the, to, against, yeah, against because, it as well. Because they, they know, as we've seen Labour do, and like Labour are essentially just a fucking liberal party now, in terms of their their position on like backing up migrants is like a focus group-based approach that we can't actually challenge this um sort of ultimate like racist fear-mongering about migrants because oh we don't know how well that'll go down in certain sections of the country rather than saying you know actually no this is kind of wrong and we shouldn't feed into this 
you know, just because you're not being as kind of venal and avert about it doesn't mean, you know, when you've got fucking Labour, like, saying about tagging, talking positively about the view of tagging asylum seekers with electronic tags, I mean, that's where the kind of nihilism for me seeps in, because it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. People, people are saying we need to get the Tories out, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we do, right? Yes, like that's that's a fucking baseline. But if what you were replacing them with is on a, on, on, on a basic scale not going to make a significant difference, mm-hmm. then that's also the that's also a, a problem. Because yes, on a day to day basis, you are not going to be fronted by cretins like Suella Braverman saying these horrible and outrageous things. But if the policies fucking end up in the same point, what, what, you know, we shouldn't be praising these people on the other side, you know. No. That, that's the same, like, yeah. It's it, one of my, my brother lives out in America. And uh, when Biden became president, I messaged him because he's, uh, my brother's kind of uh, consumes all the American media about it. And he tells me about stuff. And I'm like, um, it sounds horrible when he describes it to me it all just sounds horrible like this horrible fear-mongering thing but uh he described biden as putting a plaster over an axe wound yeah and that to me is Um, what labor coming into power would feels like it would be as well i'd rather there be a plaster over the axe wound i'd rather the axe wound not just be you know hemorrhaging blood sorry this is a really disgusting analogy (laughs) <laughs> but they have no plan to stitch it up if we're going with yeah, this. Sure, yeah, yeah. And they have they have no plan to ensure that we don't get wounded with axes I mean, <laughs> again in the future. That, if you see what I mean. They, yeah. they're, just, they're just yeah. And that's the biggest problem for me, is it puts almost this glass ceiling on any kind of ideas of hope or kind of like how you're effectively going to challenge stuff. It's kind of like sure. this idea of speaking to the public and saying, This is the best it's gonna get. We're the good guys, so fucking vote for us because otherwise you're with the bad guys. Yeah. And there's a part of me that kind of says that that isn't acceptable. Like, you know, you, you or at least I want you to know when you do get into power that I still fucking hate you as well because <laughs> you, you're ultimately <laughs> taking money from the same people, you know, Taking money from private healthcare. I mean, Keir Starmer was streeting the shadow health secretary, taking money from fucking billionaires who have um, uh, interest in private health insurance, and then rolling back on like, no interest in introducing sort of proportional representation because all they want is well, know, that would dilute their, their power. That would yeah. dilute their power. You know, so, when actually, you know, if you've actually got a better a vision for. A, a better country in the future you know that you'd be looking into stuff like that but, yeah. but they're just interested in absolute power but i think that's the thing that they, they feed into the kind of negative feeling by the fact that they're on they're essentially car salesmen Both so us, we're not it's, the it, it's two different people with different rosettes now yeah. telling you the different features of this car what, yeah. what what they're not doing is saying like actually we have this sort of view that things can be done differently they're saying no no you're going to buy this fucking car whether you like it or not but i'm going to be nicer about it <laughs> yeah you know the, that's it the, uh, the sad illusion of choice i guess that the, yeah. what we're sort of talking about though is also if you put it back into the music thing is it's like if you're writing about this constantly it must be like for me it would be a drain i don't know what it would be you know yeah i feel like yes yeah, for every self i don't know i i think it can be cathartic 
really but it does depend it on the to, way well, I, I, I don't know if you feel the same thing with me it used to help like it used to help being able to sort of stand up and and I mean that's the thing because it's selfish it was only it's only helped me I'm not helping anybody else necessarily but um you know it used to feel cathartic to be able to kind of stand up and shout these things and now but it's it's like the whole twitter thing you're just shouting into the void you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, that's that's what it feels like now the nice thing is though within the punk scene to bring it back to that it is almost like collective group therapy in that you know like the majority of people and like people people say about sort of like like (laughs) singing you know speaking in bubbles but sometimes it's nice to be in the fucking bubble and like go it's nice to share this kind of experience and this you know with people who are kind of on the same page rather than just being in this position of like absolute onslaught, you know, of negative. Like I think what you were saying about social media and the the constant pushing of negative sort of things. I mean, we know they do that anyway. The algorithms of Twitter, don't they? They they trend towards things that are going to make you angry. They show me uh, videos of people like Ben Shapiro and stuff. Like that, that always comes up, and I'm like, "Why is this happening?" So I block it or I delete it, and then like ten minutes later, I scroll up, and he's back. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> just go <Yeah>. away. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to hear you. Slithering out of the walls. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but the, the, it's because it's all the disgusting thing about it. It's just for engagement purposes, so that like the people that believe it share it and go, "This man makes a great point," and then people like us share it and go, "This is an idiot." At the end of the yeah. day, he's had, yeah, yeah. It's, it's... But then he's had like a million yeah. odd people watch it, and then he's made money off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it that's kind of negative emotion factory. But I, I mean, that's so that's the thing. I think that you know the punk scene is a nice in 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 many places. I think it's easy to be very skeptical about the punk scene and talk about you know so the issues that it still does have in terms of representation and, you know, diversity within it. Also to acknowledge that there are a lot of people who really care about things, who do positive work outside of music, you know, who who are involved in it. And they're involved in it because there is that draw to it still about, you know. Well, there is a Venn diagram around like punk and activism, I think, you know, that there are a lot of people who are out there sort of doing, doing the good works. Um, yeah. you know out, outside of the punk scene and and i think that's the important thing to remember though that it's you know we have this microcosm in music you know and like you say the bubble we're all sort of agreeing with each other and that's that's nice but it's easy i think to forget that you, you're not actually doing anything by writing a song the best thing that you can do is actually get out there and and, and do some community work or you know find an, an agency that you believe in and support them and yeah. um and actually get getting out there um yeah one of the positivities yeah. I think of the punk scene at the minute is the fact that I think in genuinely in about 10 years that representation thing that you're talking about um, will be very much in the process because there are far more like one of the things like when I started what, listening to punk everyone was a white guy it was all white men yeah. you know and now you go to well we, we keep mentioning it but it's my favourite thing in the world MPF and you know they make a conscious decision of bringing as many different types of people into it and giving them a platform which will then mean that an audience member who is from that community goes oh i can do a band and then someone will see that band and so on and so on and 
like I say, I think in a decade we'll be going to MPF as you know, gruff fifty-year-old people, and um, we'll have a beautiful, a wonderfully represented scene because this scene's sort of almost not not forcing it, but growing it beautifully. You know, it's it's like a really people lovely, are, yeah, actively sort of spearheading, and and you know, and that's that's what I was trying to say. I think less eloquently about MPF before that you know they they've really put the work into you know find a really sort of diverse mix of bands of different you know different people doing different things you know and yeah. and, and that is really important but the in the punk scene has always been sort of trying to do that you know because that, that was the thing is you know I've, I've done lots of interviews you know people asking about sort of you know what it's like being a woman in music and all that kind of thing and you know you you got I certainly found that you got into sort of it in in spite of of the reception you would occasionally get you know yeah and and also inspired to do that by and it was i didn't i didn't really have sort of any female role models or anything like that but that now is changed you know where people from all sorts of different backgrounds could look up at the stage and go well yeah i could do that mm-hmm. <laughs> i can i could actually do that you know and it and, you, and there won't be this thing where you sort of have to do it all in spite of the messages that you're you're sent yeah. You know, and 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 punk is so welcoming and so diverse. And I mean, particularly particularly within that sector of the scene, when you look around, sort of like the MPF and all yeah. the associated producers, sorry, uh, promoters who you know you may promoters and producers. You know, because yeah. it's even you know because that was the the last bastion was kind of like sound engineering, and now you know you get you'll get um, different sort of people doing sound engineering as well. It's not all just like. Not all white dudes anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good. There's too many of us anyway. We're boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Um, right. Cool. Uh, I think we should uh, think about ending it there. For uh, you guys, what's? Let's just ask with one last, last nice little bit of a question. That's the word I was looking for. What's <laughs> happening? Uh, it's twenty past eight. That's it. I'm tr- I'm starting to get baby brain right um so for, for you guys what has been the proudest achievement that you guys have had in the band or uh, being part of this band well i think we were we were talking about this the other the other day right so cicero said this thing about how the only thing that's left of you after you're gone is what's written down and mm. it, it's it was it's getting in that book you know we've like to think that even us being a sort of fairly small band on the scene, it was just kind of plugged away, but it's, you know, we've not been sort of headlining any festivals or anything like that. But just the fact that we, you know, in, in 10, 20, 30 years time, you know, and it'll, it, when, when you get those, I, I want to say nerds, because it's like, you know, we, we're all nerds when it comes to punk, you know, like we've been the ones looking at the line and notes, finding out the different bands, you know, and you have to have that sort of element of nerdery and it's knowing that in a few decades time people will sort of look into like what was happening on the punk scene at a certain time and there'll be a little entry for an evil hour there you know and that 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 i would say is is probably like the proudest thing you know if we've we'll we'll have left something behind you know we'll find that book (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and he'll, he'll go more attention, reads to the boy by candlelight. Yeah. <laughs> there was a band once. Yeah, and he'll, he'll look at it and he'll go, what what privileged wankers. Like, <laughs> how good they had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had a job and a band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They could eat. <laughs> No, yeah. Life expectancy um, was above 40. Yeah, I think uh, 
<laughs> I think it's just yeah, just I think a lot of the people we've met as well. You know, a lot of really yeah. good, a lot of really good friends. I said I I was speaking to I think it was Risky and the Ridicule I was speaking to who are like phenomenal, one of my favorite UK bands at the moment. Absolutely time. agree. Every it's time I see them, I'm watching them. Yeah, yeah. Like I've had this for years. Like you know, so, so and it's it's getting to sort of meet people like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, from, I think I was speaking uh, them and saying like you know, it's just nice. One of the nicest things about gigs is bumping into people who you haven't seen maybe for ages and just sort of, you know, having a bit of a chat. And it's just a nice, you know, it's a nice social experience and the people you see, you recognise from coming to gigs and things like that. It's just, it, it's the social side of it is a real sort of like privilege and that people bother to watch you, you know? Yeah. Because like that's, that, that, that when we were starting out was like, not something we could kind of we always had to fight you know for for kind of audiences we were never kind of one of those bands on the scene that sort of i don't know what it was like your brother's band for instance i was always really jealous of his younger brother had like a sort of indie band and like loads of people went to see them all the time and i was like i think think it was our own doing we we as once we described in an interview sound like weak afi we picked (laughs) We picked, we picked a very, I was like, well, they said we sound like AFI, but that's fine. <laughs> um, like, you know, we, we were we kind of like a niche sort of element of punk, I think, definitely from that side of things. And I'm kind of, sure. I'm kind of cool, cool with that. And that's fine. And that's fine. And um, so I think that was like, even playing to bigger audiences was like something we didn't really comprehend being able to do. We never expected know? to do that. And that's different. always like a privilege and really, exciting and just nice you know yeah it's just nice lovely that's a brilliant way to end it guys it's been an absolute pleasure gareth house thank you so much let me know when you're up in manchester next so I can no come we see will you guys thank again. you so much this yeah, is really yeah, lovely you. Really nice thank you so much appreciate it thank you so much for coming on and i'll see you guys soon yeah all right see you later bye. take care bye yeah so there you go. That was Alice and Gareth from In Evil Hour. An absolute massive thank you to Alice and Gareth for coming on the podcast. And as always to you for listening to the show. If you could please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and on Stitcher and on SoundCloud and whatever you listen to this podcast, please do that. It uh, massively helps the show out, helps people find us. And uh, if you could be an absolute legend, please share the podcast with your mates. Um, and if you want to be an absolute true hero, please subscribe to um, the podcast on all the social media apps at Podpunk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We are no longer on Twitter. Yuck to Twitter, frankly. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything. We've got another episode next month, uh, which is going to be an absolutely cool one. And I get to do it in person rather than over Zoom. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a different uh, environment for me, at least, because, you know, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, as always. And I'll catch you next time. Bye bye.